History of Persia is a Hopful Media podcast production. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the History of Persia, Episode 41 the greatest. It's been really great to be able to devote two long episodes to the royal women of Darius's empire. It's not at all the last time I'll have an episode like that, but I suspect the really detailed ones will come about every other king in our narrative. After all, the vast majority of our sources focus on political and military narratives centered on their male counterparts. The Greek and Roman sources, which provide most of the detailed information on Achaemenid history, are somehow both dismissive of women on the whole, and in awe of their apparent freedom and power in the Persian Empire. And yet, the narrative follows the men. So I think it's not only fair, but necessary to spend an episode talking about the men of Darius's royal house as well. I won't have to be nearly as detailed for many of these figures, because we've either already met them, or will soon. In fact, they figure less prominently in the Persepolis fortification and treasury archives than the women do, so most of what I can say does come from the regular narrative as provided by Greek sources. I'll only be covering those family members who were probably alive at the same time as Darius i.e. the men who actually would have been part of the royal court. 
But if you're interested in the more ancient origins of Darius's family with people like Achaemenes, Taspes, and Aria Romnes, I have good news. From April to June, the subscriber bonus episodes on Patreon and Lycium were all about the history of Media and the Persian kings before Cyrus and Darius. You can find more information about that at patreon.com slash historyofpersia, link in the description. I think the best way to organize this is probably by grouping them together by their mothers. We don't know if Darius had any stepmothers, nor do we know the name of his grandmother, so I'll group his siblings and cousins based on their fathers. That's just how we have to work with this. Age before beauty and status, Darius has a somewhat unique position in ancient history. A king whose grandfather was still living when he took the throne. Actual life expectancies weren't the comically short stereotype of pop culture, but it was still rare for someone to live long enough to have adult grandchildren. When it did happen, it was most likely to be noble women, who were not expected to be laborers or warriors. And of course, a king's paternal grandfather was practically unheard of, since most kings were the product of a line of kings that only succeeded on the death of their male relatives. Not Darius, though. He came to power from outside the bounds of the royal family, and despite the odds, Grandpa Arsimes was still alive and kicking when he came to power in 522, something Darius actually bragged about in an inscription at Susa, Apparently, he died early in Darius's reign, sometime between 522 and 510, when Darius was actively building at Susa. We know almost nothing about Arsimes. A pair of cuneiform tablets engraved on sheets of gold were supposedly found at Ekbatana, modern Hamadan, in the early 20th century, but there's no documentation on what excavation found them or who purchased them from a local treasure hunter. They are attributed to Arsimes and his father Aria Romnes, but match a third tablet attributed to Artaxerxes III and contain grammatical errors and royal titles that were unknown when Arsimes was alive. In all likelihood, the Hamadan tablets are fakes, Possibly ancient fakes made by later Achaemenid kings, but definitely not from Arsimes himself. The one guess we can probably make about his life is that Arsimes probably had some kind of position in the government of Cyrus the Great. Obviously, Darius's family was well-connected and had high status before Darius took the throne, but we don't know exactly what it was and Arsimes would have been in the right age bracket to have some kind of satrapy or maybe a position as a general when Cyrus was king. The only son of Arsimes we can identify with certainty is Histaspes, Darius's father. But there are two other male relatives we can identify which I want to talk about. These are two cousins in the royal family who seem like they may have been sons of Arsimes, or possibly nephews through brothers lost to history, Pharnakes and Megabates, both of whom, interestingly enough, will eventually tie the Achaemenid house to Alexander the Great. 
Megabates is known only as the father of Megabazos, the general who first conquered Thrace and Macedon on behalf of Darius. For his service, Megabazos and his family were generously rewarded. Megabazos became the satrap of Hellespontine Phrygia, a position inherited by his eldest son after his death, and then by his second son, another Megabates. A third son, Ferendates, was made the second satrap of Egypt, and a fourth and final son, named Bubares, married the princess Gugaya of Macedon. We've already interacted with Megabazos when he led the Persian fleet during the failed attack on Naxos. We'll meet Bubares and Ferendates again during the reign of Xerxes. Swinging back up to Arsimedes, another possible cousin, nephew, or son was Pharnaces, who actually seems like he may have been from a younger generation than the elder Megabates. So maybe he was a grandson of Arsimedes through some unknown relative, or otherwise a great-nephew or something of that nature. He appears to have been the same age as Darius, and we know his sons were probably younger than the sons of Megabazos. So that gives us a sense of the timeline here. Pharnaces himself has come up numerous times in the last few episodes because he held the top job at Persepolis. We sometimes call him Mayor of the Palace. It was his job to run the administrative network that produced all of the Persepolis tablets, which may have made him the closest person to a sort of satrap of Parsa, even though that position didn't technically exist. His son, Artabazos, would go on to command armies and clash with Athens numerous times in the coming wars. He was also appointed satrap of Hellespontine Phrygia, following the last of his cousins. His descendants would go on to form the so-called Pharnakid dynasty of Phrygia, and rule the province until Alexander came, conquered, and had an affair with his thrice-great-granddaughter. It's also possible that Pharnakes and Artabazos were distant ancestors of the Mithridatic kings of Pontus, who famously clashed with Rome. But on to Histaspes, the only confirmed son of Arsimedes and father to Darius the Great. There cannot possibly be another person that I know of with so little personal impact on history and so few facts known about him with so much written about him. All because of his name. You see, whenever possible, I use the Greek or Latin form of a person's name, mostly because it is more accessible to more people. But for Histospes, the original Iranian form of his name is more important. Vishtaspa. I actually used that version when I discussed him in a recent Patreon episode. In Zoroastrian tradition, which I'll go into more detail about in an upcoming episode, Vishtaspa is the first king to support Zarathustra, Zoroaster. Like many fledgling religions, especially religions that want to radically reform the native traditions, Zoroaster and his followers were hated by the powers that be. Vishtaspa accepted and invited Zoroaster into his court, 
And from there, Zoroaster and his followers spread their faith, and over decades and century, their beliefs spread across the Iranian world. Whether or not the Achaemenids were aware of Zoroaster himself, or just practice a form of the Iranian pantheism influenced by some of his changes, the belief in Ahura Mazda as the supreme god, and of unholy Deva, had clearly spread to western Iran by the Achaemenid period. All of this originated from Zoroaster's first sedentary base at the court of Vishtaspa. Fast forward another millennium or so, and a tradition developed by the Sassanid period that Zoroaster had lived around the Achaemenid period. There's actually a great deal of debate about whether or not the Sassanids were fully aware of the Achaemenids at all, or if they had blended into myth entirely by the 4th century CE. The Romans, however, were fully aware of the Achaemenids by way of ancient Greek authors, and made the connection between the Vishtaspa of Sassanid legend and the Histaspes of Herodotus's Persians. It's not even clear if that started in Iran and the Romans picked up on it, or it eventually spread back to Iran from Roman sources. All we know with certainty is that Histaspes, father of Darius, and Vishtaspa of Zoroastrian fame were first documented as the same person by a Roman historian. Certainly, by the time that modern European researchers had started studying Zoroaster and Zoroastrianism, there were early attempts to follow the ancient Roman chronology. But today, it is widely agreed that Zoroaster, and therefore Vishtaspa, lived about 600 years before Darius and Histaspes. In that case, we might guess that Histaspes was named after the Vishtaspa of legend, but we can't identify them as the same person. Aside from who he is not, we know very little about Darius's father. He was satrap of Parthia by 521. Uh, he may have been appointed by Darius when he seized power, or he could have been the satrap since Cyrus conquered Media. As we saw back in episodes 22 and 23, he led armies on his son's behalf twice to defeat Parthian rebels, attempting to support Fravartish, the rebel king of Media. We don't know when he died, only that he was still living when Darius had the palace built at Susa sometime around 510. I'd hazard a guess that he died sometime before the Ionian Revolt. But, given Arsami's lifespan, I suppose it's not impossible that he lived longer, though he would have been very old. What we do know is that he was probably not in charge of Parthia anymore by 493, based on documentation in the Persepolis tablets referring to Xerxes. That brings us right up to Darius's own generation. I discussed his sisters along with his minor wives and daughters in episode 39, but now seems like a good time to address his brothers, the other sons of Histospes, and even a few of their own sons. First, we have Artabanus, a son of Histospes known only as the father of Frataguna, one of Darius's wives. And yes, also his niece. Then we have Artaphernes, and his son of the same name. 
We've met these two already, because Artaphernes the Elder was satrap of Lydia and oversaw the Persian armies in the First Greek War. Artaphernes the Younger then accompanied Dotis as generals on the disastrous attack against Athens and fled back from Marathon. Then there's Artabanus, another son of Histospes, and his two sons, one named Artiphius and the other, whose name I will not be able to pronounce, Tritant Eichmes. Artabanus was a military advisor to Darius and would serve alongside his sons in the upcoming Second Greek War. I routinely wish that I knew more languages. Even right in the middle of the US, I run into Spanish speakers all the time, and my social media always has a little Persian, Arabic, some Dutch and German. Rosetta Stone does help. It's the most trusted language learning program after all. It's also conveniently available on desktop or on the go as an app and has some really cool features that truly immerse you in the language you're learning. Just the first steps, like learning a new alphabet and some simple phrases, helped open new doors, and Rosetta Stone is a great choice as the trusted expert in this for 30 years and millions of users with 25 languages available to learn. They focus on fast language acquisition, without English translations to help you learn, speak, listen, and think in your new language while building long-term retention. Their true accent speech recognition also gives feedback on pronunciation, which can be really important for languages like Persian, where how you say something is very important. And on top of being available for desktop and mobile, you have the option to download lessons and take them offline. This is also all available at a steal. You can get lifetime membership, all 25 languages, for 50% off. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, History of Persia listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. In the category of in-laws, we have both Gobrius and Otanes, the two most powerful conspirators who orchestrated the coup against Bardia. Otanes himself was supposedly a brother-in-law to Cyrus the Great, according to Herodotus, which directly contradicts the Behistun inscription. He also takes the notable role of launching the conspiracy, even if Darius did take charge in the end. Gobrius, meanwhile, not only married Darius's sister, Ardushnamuya, and became his brother-in-law, but was also Darius's father-in-law through his first marriage. As such, he was also the grandfather of Darius's eldest sons, and may have seen himself as the father of a new dynasty. As we'll see, that was not to be, but it would be the source of conflict. 
We don't know when either conspirator died, but I personally suspect that Gobrius died before Darius. Not only does he seem older given the marriage arrangements, but he and his son Mardonius did not fall out of favor when Xerxes came to power, something that may have happened had Gobrius been alive to push his own grandson's claims on the throne. Speaking of conspiracy, Cambyses and Bardia were Darius's brothers-in-law several times over through Atossa and Artistine, making Cyrus the Great his deceased father-in-law as well. Bardia was also technically a father-in-law through Darius's marriage to Parmis. There's a reason this next generation is the widest point on the family trees posted on the website. This seems like a good point to move on to the next generation. Like I said before, I'll group these men by their mothers, and I'll move, as best I can, from least significant to most significant. At least, as I see them. First, we have another Histospes. Maybe. I genuinely can't find a primary source for this one. He was a son of Darius, but we don't know who his mother was. The only suggestion that he was actually Darius's son comes from a 19th century catalog of names, the same one that confused Rodagune for the mother of Darius. This information is repeated by Mary Boyce in her History of Zoroastrianism, which is where I discovered this supposed Histospes, son of Darius. We know nothing about his own life, as it seems he is only mentioned in reference to his son, Pesuthnes, a future rebel satrap of Lydia. Pesuthne's position actually seems to be the basis for this claim, as only a fairly close relative to the royal family would have been promoted to satrap of such a crucial province. Next comes Abracomes and Heperonthes, Darius's sons with Frataguna, daughter of Otanes. Neither of them mean much now, but they will go on to command troops for their elder brother Xerxes. In a similar situation, we also find Ariomardus, son of Darius and Parmis. He's our first Taspid descendant of the day, in that he is the great-grandson of Cyrus, but other than that, Ariomardus, like his half-brothers, isn't terribly relevant. Then there are the sons of Artistune. Despite her position as Darius's favorite, and the doubtless economic power we discussed last time, Artistine's boys are just less important than the sons of the other two great women in Darius's life, for the simple reason that they were younger. Artistune was the mother to Gobrius, who is unimportant for now, and will remain that way, as well as Arsames. Arsames is actually noteworthy. During the reign of Darius, at no more than 23 years old, he was given part of his mother's estate at Marathon to control in his own name. He appears a few times in the Persepolis tablets, including the time he hosted his cousin Parmis at the estate, giving rise to the theory that Artistune was the new matriarch in the Taspid family. From there, we move on to the real power players, the guys who are going to drive Persian court politics forward into a new, privileged, and bloody generation. 
if you're going to remember names from this episode, these are the guys who you want to think about. From Darius's first marriage, we have three grandsons of Gobrius, through a daughter whose name we do not know. I suggested in the last episode that this could be Irdabama, the most prominent woman of the Persepolis tablets. First is Ariobignes, who is actually a very little concern for now. Eventually, he will become an admiral, but during Darius's reign, he stays in the background. His brothers, however, will soon have roles to play for themselves. Ariomenes was named Satrap of Bactria by his father. It's often said that this satrapy was saved for the heir apparent, but that doesn't seem to have been Ariomenes at any point during Darius's reign. Still, it was a very prominent position, always held by a close and trusted relative of the great king. There is also a theory that Ariomenes and Ariobignes were born after Darius seized the throne. That would make Ariomenes the first royal son of Darius's first marriage, but not the first royal son or the first son from the first marriage. It's a position of prestige, but a dubious one. It's possible that this left Ariomenes feeling entitled to something, but it's not sure if there was a basis for that claim. Then we have Artabazanes. He was indisputably Darius's eldest son. He was the first son of Darius's first marriage to the daughter of Gabrius. There can be very little doubt that he was the heir apparent for much of his life, and had Darius died on campaign in Scythia, he may have been King Artabazanes I. But it was not to be. Despite that reality, Artabazanes definitely believed it was his right to succeed his father, and was more than willing to fight for it when the time came. And finally, we have Darius's children with Atossa, our third batch of Taspids. The youngest son of Atossa was Achaemenes, who had no known role in Darius's administration, but was clearly an adult when his father died. We will meet Achaemenes again almost as soon as the narrative resumes, and he will remain in the background as satrap of Egypt until the reign of Artaxerxes I. Then, of course, we have Xerxes, Atossa's eldest son and Darius's first son born as royalty. As Darius' first son with royal blood and the first grandson of Cyrus the Great, Xerxes had the edge in the competition to become Darius's heir. Despite the wars, the victories, the conquests, the propaganda, and the decades of time, Darius still had to come to power under shady circumstances, and stood on poor foundations. Any son from before their family became kings would surely inherit those foundations and doubts. But Xerxes was heir to the throne with or without Darius. Having a father actually sitting on the throne obviously secured his position, but Xerxes was also the oldest male heir to Cyrus the Great. He was a natural candidate for succession. By 493, when we start losing dates in the Persepolis archives, 
Xerxes had a position ruling part of Parthia. Not only was his mother's estate in Hyrcania receiving supplies from the central administration at Persepolis, but we also have one tablet that deals with Xerxes explicitly. The prince sent a group of Parthians to act as messengers and order supplies from the Persepolitan treasury. The tablet that survives documents the provisions they were given for their return journey to meet with Xerxes in Parthia. What exactly Xerxes was doing in the province is not made clear. Personally, I suspect that he succeeded his grandfather as satrap in the central Iranian satrapy. And finally, we have Xerxes' possible second brother. But this one gets kind of messy, which is why I've saved him for the end. This is Masistes. We don't know anything about Masistes in Darius's reign, but that might make sense because we don't even really know if he existed. There are stories about Masistes waiting for us in the future. He plays a key role in the court drama and internal politics of his brother's reign. But for now, the most important thing about him is his name, because it might not be a name at all. See, in the reign of Xerxes, we will see that Masistes is the satrap of Bactria, apparently replacing Ariomenes. But we never do hear anything about something happening to Ariomenes. In and of itself, that's not so weird. Satraps changed all the time without the Greeks recording it, especially in the Far East. Really, we should count ourselves lucky that we know so much about the satraps somewhere as distant as Bactria. And yet, Masistes' name drags up a lot of questions, all thanks to one inscription from Xerxes. The so-called Persepolis Harem Inscription, otherwise known as Inscription XPF. Most of it is in the usual formulaic praise of Ahura Mazda and lists of titles and lineage. But there is a section of more notoriety, where Xerxes describes how he was selected to become king. Quote, Xerxes the king says, other sons of Darius there were, but this was the desire to Ahura Mazda. Darius my father made me the greatest after himself. When my father Darius went away from the throne, by the will of Ahura Mazda, I became king on my father's throne. End quote. Right there in the middle is the thing that all of these sons of Darius were seeking and Xerxes had to compete with Artabazanes and Ariomenes for it. Darius, my father, made me the greatest after himself. The word greatest, in Old Persian, is Mashiach. Transliterating to Greek, it's hardly a jump from Mashiach to Masistes. It is entirely possible that someone referred to Xerxes' heir as the greatest, and Herodotus interpreted that as a name. From there, the supposed prince Masistes was born. But that would suggest a specific title, a very rare thing in the Achaemenid court. Otherwise, there would be no reason for someone else to refer to a person as the greatest. 
and just the greatest, without any qualifiers. In that interpretation, Mashiach and Masistes would essentially translate to crown prince. Of course, it's equally possible that Xerxes is just saying that Darius made him the greatest of his brothers in a more general sense that he was elevated above the rest, and the title Mashiach never does come up again. It sounds to me like Xerxes is using a lowercase Mashiach in that sense. But then you have Masistes, which throws a wrench into my interpretation. If his name really is Herodotus's transliteration of Mashiach, then it seems like more of a pattern, even if it wasn't an official title. Based on everything so far, it makes a lot of sense that Ariomenes and Masistes could have been the same person. On the other hand, it's entirely possible that there is no pattern, and Darius just named one of his kids the greatest. That's hardly less presumptuous than naming your kids the ruling hero, the glory of truth, the joy of the Iranians, or the high one, all of which are real translations of the names discussed in this episode. Xerxes, Artabazanes, Ariamides, and Bardia, respectively. If the greatest was a title for the crown prince, then we might assume that it was a brief fad in the reigns of Darius and Xerxes, because we never hear about it again after that. That might have something to do with all of the rocky transitions of power in the future, but that's a story for another time. For now, I'll leave you with this detailed series on the family of Darius, because whether it was a title or not, the next narrative episode will see Darius's sons launch into fierce competition to become the greatest. But before we get there, there's one last episode to dedicate to Darius himself. In two weeks, it will be time to discuss the fabled and possibly fictional reforms of Darius as an administrator. Until then, you can find more information at historyofpersiapodcast.com, including things like my bibliography and the Achaemenid family tree detailing every generation of the royal family. You can also find the support page with all of the different ways that you can financially support the show. Most importantly, this includes Patreon and Lyceum, subscription services where you can get access to things like bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and all sorts of other ideas at other tiers. To check that out, go to patreon.com slash historyofpersia. You can also support the show without spending a single penny, because the best way you could ever support a podcast is to tell other people about it. Let everyone know that the history of Persia is here. Share it on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, I am at the History of Persia podcast, and on Twitter, it's just at History of Persia. Until next time, thank you all so much for listening to The History of Persia.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.